0: Greetings, everyone. It's AJ, one half of your dynamic, over-caffeinated duo here at the Bellingham Podcast. And I know, I know, I've missed you too. And so has Chris. But uh, as we like to say on the show, life has occurred. And uh, Chris and I have been, uh, we're fine. We're good. Uh, We still like each other. You know, we still see each other occasionally but uh time has not been on our side lately uh a lot of things have been going on with uh, work and uh, life and family and really uh, we just have not had enough time to have one hana teriyaki and two podcast and i am just as sad as you are i miss being on the mic i miss my gregarious podcast partner's baritone voice next to me and i miss you All of you who subscribe, listen to us, and support us all online, whether that's through the Substack of BellinghamPodcast.substack.com, or you subscribe to us uh, in your favorite podcast app of choice, whether that's on iTunes or good old iHeartRadio or Spotify. Thank you all again so much for supporting us. Or you might also support us by tuning in on Saturdays on that terrestrial radio that you may have kicking around the house on uh, Camry 102.3 FM, Bellium Zone Community Homegrown radio that Wi-Fi waves need not apply. Or you could check them out actually on online at Camry.org. Now that I've done all of those shameless plugs, I have a special episode for you. Jumping back in a series that Chris Powell himself started, which was the Community Conversation Connected series. Too much of a mouthful. I'm going to shorten it. Here's a new episode for the contact series because really all of these interviews come out of contact that Chris and I have with people here in our community that are doing interesting things or supporting interesting causes. Now, how did I come about this cause? So one day I was walking home from work and I hopped on for some random reason onto the Twitter. Yes. The Twitter. I haven't been on Twitter in a while. But I needed to look up something, and when I was, there was this local project that showed up on my feed, something called the Boundary Swirl Project, and it was in crypto Twitter, which is kind of the sub-community on Twitter of, of enthusiasts that are into cryptography and, and blockchain and stuff, and stuff that Chris and I have mentioned here on the show before. But here was something that was kind of NFT-ish, that, but also had a physical representation of art. And the artist... Was somebody that i had met in the past and he is here in bellingham washington so i did what any other person would do i at him (laughs) and wanted to see what this project was about uh and i went through the process of using uh, a seed and generating a piece of art that is created by an algorithm but created by this technologist and artist and In doing so, it was selected and was actually made into the real world. He actually put it up on a laser cutter. He then stained it and put it together and compiled it, and is hanging it in a gallery known as the Boundary Bay. Ah yes, save the ales, indeed. And in there, what he decided to do is to use his tech ship, an artisanal ship, and to bridge it in our community here in Bellingham and then showcase it in a place that we all know, love, and many of us frequent. So with that said, let's dive into the artist, the project known as the Boundary Swirls, a little bit of blockchain, but not much that's gonna make your your eyes spin if you're not tech savvy, and really how art has changed in the digital age and where it might be going. And in the case of today's guest, There's even an avenue for you, dear listener, to participate and experience this new kind of art, generative art, where there is a digital component, but in the case of Sean, it also can lead to a physical art component here in the real world. More on that opportunity later in the episode. It's my pleasure to introduce...
1: Sean Kemp. Uh, We are in my studio workshop slash garage and I am forty-seven
0: years old. I think. You think? <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> what are you drinking <laughs> now, It's my second spin just. For- oh. Spindrift, man, that's some good stuff. Well, Sean, welcome to the show, and thanks uh, thanks for inviting me to your shop. Uh, is this your studio, your shack, your shop? What is this? It is my garage. Oh, okay, <laughs> my mistake. Your garage. <laughs> but but it it's has, not any
1: garage. But I have kicked out some a car, and it now has a laser
0: and all my uh, art supplies. So, so let's let's rewind a little bit. So, what? Wh- how do you describe yourself? What are what are you? Are you an artist? Are you a tech entrepreneur? A philanthropist? Um, an environmentalist? What are you? I'm a problem solver.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, you know, it's actually funny. I was talking to somebody yesterday, mm-hmm. and we were actually having this conversation about, am I an artist? Okay. And and I and I actually had to think through that. Like, am I a designer? Am I an artist? Am I a creator? Am I a maker? And I think where I am right now with where I spend most of my time, I would probably define myself as an artist or other people would define me as an artist. Most of the time I spend is on things that are put on the wall and people would appreciate as art. So I think I'm entering a phase where I am now an artist.
0: Oh, you're entering a phase.
1: Well, what phase were you in before you were an artist? Before I was an artist, I mean, my last one, I would have considered myself an entrepreneur. Um, so I, I started and ran a tech company.
0: So now, so coming into this new phase of artisanalness, uh, your medium is quite interesting. Why don't you go ahead and describe a little bit about what you the, we'll get to the project that I, I, how I uh, found uh, out what you were doing, bro. But like, tell me the medium that you do and, um, why this kicked out garage does not have a car and it has laser beams instead.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I'll actually kind of tell you a little bit of a story okay, about, do. about how it got. So this is about a four-year journey in, in this particular one. Uh, about four years ago, I saw on Kickstarter um, a guy. So I've always I've always been interested in art. I have an industrial design degree, and I had took a lot of painting and drawing, and i have always kind of painted and drawn. Um, drew, draw, uh, whatever the whatever the word is, drone, drone. drone? <laughs> I think drones fly, but. Um, <laughs> But uh, so I've always, I've always had that artistic aspect. Um, but four years ago saw this guy named Gabriel Sharma on Kickstarter raising money to buy a laser to cut wood for this the, the medium that I'm doing right now, which is basically layers of wood that are cut with a, with a laser and then assembled. So you get this essentially a relief um, image from that. and then you put stain and colors and, and everything onto it. So it's thin sheets of wood cut with a laser. And then those stack and create
0: a three-dimensional sculpture. Yeah. And they're, they're the, these are, I mean, they range in size. So like in front of me, I've got like a I'm guessing like a seven by seven. It's like eight, a six by six, six by maybe six. on that one. Yep. And so, and they're all different kind of like geog- ge- geographic, uh, geometric style, like concentric or disconcentric circles and like this tiny world cityscape type of thing. And wavy, like, how do you describe your, your said art other than I just call them wavy dudes? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, it's squiggles. It's it's changed.
1: So, so, um, so four years ago when I started doing it, it was a little bit more organic. So I had like butterflies Mm. and, um, like hops, like, you know, the hops that they make beer out of. I had one of those. Um, I had different kind of more organic shapes that you would see naturally, but I've always liked abstract geometric types of shapes. And so I've evolved more and more toward that, that type of thing. So triangles or, um, these swirls, things that don't have a, a grounding and necessarily a, a reality. Like you wouldn't look at it and go, Ooh, that's a tree, but it, it actually has something that, that you might look at and say, Ooh, that looks like a cityscape sort of in, in those types of things. So that's, that's where I am now. It's more, more geometric. Um, and then, and then, so I started with it as just Drawing it by hand, putting it into the computer. Well, by hand meaning like a mouse. Yeah, right. I knew you meant <laughs> on a computer. Well,
0: that is by hand. Right? By hand. Yes. yes. By Bluetooth.
1: Yes. 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 Definitely. But but I drew it. Yes. Like, <laughs> the shape was drawn by me, and it was it was it was there. And then I would take that and put that on the laser and cut the thing out of it. Um, and then over the last couple of years, I've moved more and more toward having the computer generate the shapes for me. And so over the last year, I've really delved into what's called generative art. So where I, I write a computer program, and that generates the shapes. I don't actually draw any of the shapes anymore. They're drawn by the script that I write, mm-hmm. which then outputs them, and then I can cut that on the on the laser.
0: Which kind of gets into how I found out about your most recent project, no, uh, b- Boundary, uh, boundary, boundary swirls. swirls. Boundary Swirls. So tell me a little bit about Boundary Swirls, and I guess you're partnering with Boundary Bay to... to gallery show these or tell me a little bit about it
1: yeah yeah so um actually uh janet lightner um who runs uh boundary bay brewery here in bellingham um asked if i would if i would show my artwork down there and and i was like yes because we're opening back up and people are going in and mm-hmm. i mean they have kept everyone fed and full um throughout the entire they saved
0: event. the ales during the uh the pandemic they
1: truly saved the ales and it was hard it was hard for their i mean their staff i mean anybody who works yeah in, it in was history absolutely brutal um so I was excited. I was like, "Yes, I'm. I'll, I'll bring my my art down." So I have a number of pieces that I that I brought down. I donated all that art. So any oh, cool. art that's bought at at Boundary Bay, um, as long as it shows up, it's been up for two months now. We'll, we'll probably keep it up for another probably another month. All of that. So anybody who buys one of those pieces, all that money actually goes to a scholarship fund for their employees.
0: Oh, right on. Hundred percent.
1: Like I don't I don't get any of the money. Right like, on. It all goes to the scholarship fund. Um, and, but as part of that, I've been playing a lot with NFT based generative art Mm -hmm. and I wanted to do something local that, that touched on it, but maybe wasn't quite all the way there in the NFT space. Sure. And so I did a little project called boundary swirl where I allowed people to scan a QR code, generate a new version of this boundary swirl, this swirly piece, Mm -hmm. and then share it. And if they shared it, I would make the pieces and we'd create this mural. So it's a six by six mural. Um, So 36 pieces total. And as people scan the QR code, created their unique creation, I would then make it and put it up on the wall. So I've been, I've been, as people have been sharing stuff. So there's one sitting in front of us here. Um, That's one that somebody made and shared and it's.
0: I have to go take it down and hang it up on the wall. Dude, that's great. Which yours truly, mine was on the, the wall, like one of the earlier pieces. And that's how I found out like, oh, Sean's monitoring his Twitter. Like this <laughs> is a thing. Well, because like, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff gets started and doesn't go anywhere. And you're like, no, it's down at boundary. And I checked it out and literally I was stoked because you're I I, you know, I ran the seed. I got, you know, the, the, the one that I got and I was like, this is great. I shared it out. Hell, I even uh, tweeted you out at Kevin Rose because he has the Proof Collective and he's all about NFTs and Degen and stuff. And I was just like, I don't, I don't have any connection with Kevin Rose, but Kevin, if you ever want to be on the show. Like, dude, like this is, this is really cool where you're taking blockchain technology and you're showing proof of work and doing this notion of an, a digital a digital representation of a physical thing, but both of them are originals because like you just said, you didn't create it. You created the script. But the person interacted to create a piece of art that you, from your brain, transmogrified into ones and zeros. Exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm glad I got that right. Yeah. It must be a tech. Yeah.
1: So, and I've since taken that. that, that the piece of, uh, that's at Boundary Bay Brewery is not on the blockchain. That one's just oh, okay. kind of a – it's more just on a web server that, sure. that, that you can hit. I then took that. And I do have an NFT version of it um, that lives on the Tezos, an environmentally friendly blockchain. Um, and that one, there are 256 NFTs that sold out in 20 minutes. <laughs> Congratulations! Um, that th- people have, and those have been going. I've been sending those all over the world.
0: That's great. Yeah, that's cool. So the getting back to the twirls, though, you did you build a platform? Because when I when I hit your server, like you could also sign up for an account and you know take your MetaMask, hook it up, and all that jazz. So like are you using that platform to help other people launch their own type of like degen stuff or like what? Not what, currently. It's, okay. more, it's more like, Sorry, I own, dug into yeah. it. Yeah. No, it's
1: more like my own little playground. Okay. Um, so I've, I've, as I've been doing my, the work that I've been doing around this stuff, there's, there's been a couple of kind of problem. Here's the problem solving aspect mm-hmm. of the things that I had as an, as an artist. Yeah. One was keeping track of the additions of my physical pieces. So I, you know, I have a uh, cascade hops is one of my pieces and, and, or Hive Mind is one of my pieces. And then I make, a, I make new versions of it because I can reproduce them because right. it's on the laser cutter. Um, and then those get signed, editioned, and I send them off. Yeah. Well, I like to keep track of, like, one, what edition number I'm on so yes. I don't end up with 10 people with edition 5. <laughs> Which is a very real thing in my world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I understand.
1: Or, um, you know, be able to, to, to know like when somebody sells it, can they authenticate it and say that, you know, this and is actually a real piece right. um, of that type of thing. So I, I built a website that would let me do that. Okay. And then I've since been kind of adding things to it. Um, one of them was the ability to actually run a generative minting. So mm-hmm. actually create and mint stuff on the blockchain. And I did that for a little while. I did this one, which was just a script not tied to the blockchain, but but that you could mint and I mean like if I look at the back end, there's over a thousand pieces that have been created and stored just on my web server. Yeah. 30, about thirty of them are me. Sorry. Yeah. Actually <laughs> It's really the, cool. There's there's a lot of people that have that have done it. But there's a lot of people that have done a lot. Like it's interesting to watch. Some people will do one, other people, um, like one of the one of the staff down there was like, so they said just, they're just constantly trying to find the right piece yeah. that they want to do. So it's kind of this process of of hitting it, seeing what you get, and then trying it again. Like, when am I going to get the one that I really
0: want? It's kind of like a really good slot machine, but every time you're a winner. Because, like, you get something new. Like, there's a couple of them where I, when I was going through. I was like, oh, that one's cool, but, like, it wasn't the one. But, ooh, I want to – I'll email that one to myself because I like that one. Like, but it's not – not as much as like, I'm going to tweet it. Like that's what was really cool. And it kind of drew me into your project is not just the, the blockchain stuff, but the, the fact that as an artist, you were solving for X because I feel you. I also do, uh, when I sign my photography, I'm just like, Oh, which am I on? Am I, am I, am I, am I on 55? Which one am I on? Shoot. Like, and that is a real problem because most of the time when you're doing this or you have somebody who's patroning you, like, you're like, okay, you want to get this out the door, you sign it, you you authenticate it and stuff. But then what? Like, what if that person, you know, sells it on the secondary market, which on NFTs is a big deal? Or are you planning with your other pieces? Is there a secondary market for, for, your pieces and what what's that looking like Like, yeah
1: yeah so so i've 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 gotten a lot more serious about the nft side of things okay so i released a piece called circle city there's a there's a a generative art platform called fx hash there's another one called art blocks which is on which is on ethereum that's the big blue chip you know hundred plus thousand dollar pieces on on that one this one is very similar Mm -hmm. it works almost identically uses tezos instead of ethereum nice um, and the pieces are, it's more of a playground for, it's like the newer generative artists. Right. So, um, most of the pieces there are usually like one to three Tez. Yeah. A Tez is worth about $3. So three At the time nine, of this recording, yeah. Yeah. Three to $9. Um, at the time of this recording, hopefully like, you know, hopefully, actually, hopefully it won't go up too much because yeah, it's I nice and actually way. have yeah. it be accessible. Um, so instead of having to spend five hundred dollars to mint something on Art Blocks, you can spend three dollars mm. to have that same exact experience and and great artists that are right. on this, this particular one. So I've I've started doing stuff there. So I've got this. Uh, the first piece I did was called Circle City, mm-hmm. which is that spiky one that that we have sitting right in front of us, and I released that one on on that on that that particular chain. And it was unique in the fact that most of the stuff that's being generated are all just digital. Mm-hmm. So they're just straight up, you know, you can look at it on a computer or you could print it out. Right. Um, but there's also people that are doing plotter-based stuff. So mm-hmm. kind of the, the, there was a group that was that was pushing the edge of that um, around generatives that you can then plot on these really nice plotters. Huh. Um, there's somewhere around here I have a, a plot of, of, of a piece um, that I can show you later. Okay. But, um but these plot ones are kind of the, the next evolution of digital to something that's physical. Physical, yeah. Um, and so the, when I released this, a lot of the plotter community kind of rallied around it. Was like, this is so cool because it it, it harkens to that same idea of plotting and right. plotting with a giant, powerful laser yes. <laughs> on wood. A very nice one, by a the way. Very nice laser. Yeah. But it's very similar. It's almost identical to my plotter that holds my pen in, right. in my in my my other studio. Um, and so. When I released this, that was kind of the community that that rallied around it started sharing it. Um, And the the idea behind it was you come in, you mint an NFT. The script I have actually generates a file, a vector file that's layered. So there's 12 layers to this. It actually Ah. generates all the layers individually. That's what I was wondering. Generates the digital image. So you can see, ooh, that's what I got. There's my colors. This is what it looks like. This is how many circles and spikes I've got on my thing. I can download that that output mm-hmm. from that generative and run it straight on the laser. Right. So when somebody mints it, they get their NFT, mm-hmm. the image that they can put on their phone or share on Twitter, right. the ability to download a file, they can then take to their local makerspace and cut their uh,
0: print yeah. their own circle. And also make it to the right size for their space, right? Because like that's a six by six. But if I want to have this like, you know, full Sean experience, right? Of like tw- forty by thirty. Then I'd be able to do that. You can do it, yeah. You can do anything you want with it. That's cool. Yeah.
1: And then and then I've taken those um, and I've made uh, kind of a re- limited edition signed pieces off of those. Sure. So um, what, I'm, what I'm starting to do now, the next versions I, I drop will probably all follow a similar format, which will be, I'll take a certain number of the rarest. So as it comes out, there's rarity aspects to it. So some are more rare than others <laughs> um, in terms of the, the variables. So number of colors... Uh, like in the this, this circle city, what number of circles that are there? Is it one circle or is it yeah. six circles? Um, and so there's these, these things that give it rarity. And so what I did with, with the second piece was actually have rarity be the determining factor for me creating a free piece. So oh, for the 10 rarest of the 256 boundary swirls that I minted and dropped, I took the 10 rarest and I, gave, I made and gave away the physical pieces for the 10 rarest. Because they were the rarest, so so not only did you have this experience of like pulling the little slot machine, or yeah. you know, and, and getting your generative piece, but if you were one of the ten that were the rarest, you got the physical one sent to you. Whoa! For free. That's cool. Yeah, and so those went all over the world. So I'm, I'm currently in the pro. I've almost sent them all, but yeah. they've gone all over the world from, you know, um, here in the United States all the way to Brazil and Macedonia and your France. You're badger worldwide. And,
0: yeah, it's all over the place. Dude, that's insane. So how many, how many are left until the, the that piece is yeah. done? Actually, quite a
1: few. I was, I've, I've been surprised at how slow it's been.
0: Bellingham, um. come on. <laughs> tweet at Sean. He's a good guy. All right. I, I hang out with him. Yeah. So there's, I would say
1: there's, I haven't looked. I think there might be 12 on the wall right now. Yeah. Um, so there's probably about 24-ish left on that particular one. And currently I've just been as people have have been sharing the things, I make them yeah. um, and they kind of slow down so the last month, I think I've only made one in the last month Got so it. there are there are spaces there. I'll probably stop that mural at the end of this month end of the month okay so, so whatever's April. whatever's not done will probably remain not uh, done.:
0: Well that'll make those pieces that are already uh, up there even more rare, right
1: yeah, and then people get to collect those pieces so once That's it's cool. done, we'll you know we'll dismantle that mural yeah. um, so other artists can put stuff up yeah it yeah, at yeah boundary right. day. Um, and then whoever's piece, uh, you know, every piece has the name of, of whoever shared it. That's um, cool. And they can come in and grab
0: the, and claim the piece that's, that's theirs. That's yes. super cool. So, you know, what, wh- I, and I understand that you're doing a lot in in doing the NFT side, but what's the next big physical thing that you're going to do? Like, is it... Is it going to be more of this or do you have something else where you're like, because I mean, as artists, like you kind of get like, Oh, I've done this, you know, I I need my next album to be like punk. It can't be rock. Okay. So (laughs) if you're going to go punk, what's, what's going to be your next, what's, what's up your sleeve?
1: Yeah. So whole bunch, I've got a whole bunch of things in process. Um, they're, they're all generative. Okay. Um, I'm going larger. So the ones Mm -hmm. that I've done so far have been these eight by eight sized ones. So smaller one, they're easier to ship. Right. Um, Do They 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 take less time to to cut, so I can I can I can scale it out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next uh, set will be 15 by 23 inch. Whoa, way bigger. So way bigger. Like I mean, these are like you know these ones you could put on your wall as like a little you know little piece. Some people actually have. There's a couple people that have bought. So as once they have the NFT, I've also been allowing people to purchase a physical for the ones that they own. Oh, cool. Um, So they can come on. I've added this to my website. <laughs> they can come on, prove that they own it.
0: What's that website again?
1: It's um, the website's alleditions.art, Um and they can come in. They can prove that they own the NFT, and then they can buy using Tezos the physical one, which then I'll I'll make for them and sign it um, Super and send cool. it to them. So some people have made four. Like there's there's one person who made four. They went off to to uh, somebody in Australia. Mm-hmm. So they've got four that are on their wall um, with those things. So a fifteen by twenty three is essentially. Um, what is that far six I guess would be the the size of it Um, so I've got a couple of new ones that are coming on that one one will will be a larger version of the Circle City so it's a 15 by 23 inch more elaborate version of that that Circle City one which is kind of inspired by for me, it was inspired by the movie Inception.
0: Oh, got and, it.
1: And the book uh, Ringworld by Larry Niven. Yep. So it was the yep. idea of this circle with cityscapes kind of in, but also twisting and morphing across space and time. Um, Dude, that's cool. That's what that one is. But I've got a, uh, another one that's coming out. It, it doesn't have a name yet, um, but it's... Much more organic, it's swirly and almost looks like uh, crop circles meets an alien language kind of kind oh, of thing oh uh, okay,
0: I, I think I get what the vibe you're going for, yep, okay yep,
1: and then I've got some organic ones that are playing with almost like staring into a mirror with rotating um, shapes that are around that 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 one's a little further out uh, cool so but I'll, I'll probably be i've got I've got about. Every other week um, will probably be the schedule that I'll drop some of these larger ones, and then I'll scale up. I, I've got some plans for a twenty-three by twenty-three inch one, mm-hmm. and then a twenty-three by thirty-two inch um, larger one. Whoa! Um, which okay. are they're harder to do because with wood, so everything yeah. I'm, I'm doing it has to be has to be cut, mm-hmm. and they're all contiguous. Uh-huh. Um, so it has to be structurally sound. Right. So right. the larger I go
0: the harder it is to make sure that random shapes are strong. And also, do you have to worry about warping? Because, I mean, like, sheets apply. Because you're only using, what, uh, eighth inch? Yeah, eighth inch. So, I mean, when you put it into your, your cutter, it's going to have a little bit of a sag, right? Does that, uh, does that you know, uh, harm the way that it, your, the, the print comes out? A little bit. Not on cutting. Because on okay.
1: cutting, I use magnets to hold everything down. Oh, like, I okay. can actually control the surface. But uh, the technique I use is a little different than other laser cut. Um, so most people glue their stuff together. Mm-hmm. Um, I've developed a technique where I don't glue anything. I actually hardly ever use glue. So most of these pieces are... Screwed? They're screwed. They're oh. Chicago screws that hold oh. it together. But every layer is, is one piece. Like it's one... Got it. It's basically a mesh yeah. um, that holds it all together.
0: Um, I didn't realize that. That's cool. Yeah. So that's why each of the corners have the the holes in the center. The okay. Holes in the center. Yeah. So I also frame.
1: I mean, I also can do them as a frame, and I have right. a compression frame technique that I use, where I custom make the frames, and then the pieces all sit in, and they they get compressed into the frame with a little with a, with some tacks that, that kind of hold them all together.
0: Super cool. Okay. So let me riddle me this. So with all of uh, with generative art and with the blockchain and everything, you know. What do you think is going to be cuz I have to say like this is a very Bellingham northwest take on a very high tech highly speculative highly uh, misunderstood sphere. Where do you see real people getting into blockchain and and or art? Do you have any any hot takes on that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's there's a couple things on on blockchain and Web three or crypto yeah. or whatever whichever term you call it yeah um, one it's 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 the overnight success that only took ten years to to get there so it's been around for a while it's been evolving yeah. um, we saw a huge rise in the last year in particular in this art NFT non fungible token space. Um, which came i mean it, that one almost came overnight it did even though the, the promise of it was, was been around a long time ago yeah it just kind of emerged in a multi-billion dollar <laughs> industry <laughs> within within a very 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 short period of time yeah um, and then you're seeing nfts sell for millions of dollars yeah
0: bored apes and yeah yeah, yeah i think i just
1: saw CryptoPunk today that just sold for three million dollars or something yeah Crypto is yeah. an NFT.
0: That's yeah, yeah. The, the, the arguably the OG. Yeah, yeah, but but I think those are the.
1: I actually think those are the outliers. Yeah. So I think I think there was a lot of speculation with any new technology. You tend to see lots of speculation. You tend FOMO. to see lots of grifters and FOMO and all this stuff kind of, that kind of comes about from those things. The, I think the longer term and the more interesting thing for just kind of everyone um, is actually the ability to have this proof of ownership. So the ability to buy something, to transact pretty seamlessly um, around that particular thing, to then have that registered on a verifiable blockchain, Mm -hmm. Um, which like for my art is. So if you buy a piece and it's $3 or one Tez, you now have that. It's in your digital wallet and you could transfer it to somebody else and prove it. They would know just like kind of like with eBay, how eBay transformed that stuff. It allows that kind of thing to happen. So I think um, we'll, we'll see it more with newer forms of, of kind of lower-priced art um, that are coming out. So the ability to actually have photographs that are not $500, right. but, but lower. Um, so I think, that, that's, I think you're going to start seeing that. But it's going to be a little while um, mm-hmm. because right now it's hard. The technology to get a wallet, to set it up, to g- even get cryptocurrency to then buy it, it's a little hard. I mean, it's it's as hard as setting up a brokerage account and buying stocks, mm. which is not hard, hard, but it's not it takes, easy. Effort. Yes. It takes, it takes effort. Yes, takes effort. Takes um, effort. So I think it's we'll see the adoption kind of kind of scale out, but it's going to be slower uh, now. Mm. Um, I mean, even even in the crypto space, it's huge, but there's in the big one like the Ethereum one, there's probably only about four hundred thousand wallets with NFTs in them, right? Which is not a lot. We're talking a global yeah. phenomenon with what are we at, like eight billion people now in the world and there's only four hundred thousand yeah. wallets.
0: But I mean, but also with Ethereum, like you've got gas fees that are through the roof. So like when you buy something or if you mint something, you know, it costs, depending on what the gas rate is, could cost anywhere from a, a couple dollars. I haven't seen that in years, but it's a couple hundred dollars just to make your squiggle. Right. You know, so like it makes Ethereum it prices out artists and that whole accessibility part. Whereas Tezos and also, there's the whole environmental impact of, of any blockchain, but with Tezos, like the the floor for transaction is way lower than you'd have to do on something like Ethereum.
1: Significantly lower. Yeah. Like today, the the gas fee to mint something like an NFT on Ethereum, I think I saw it at like fifty, about fifty dollars equivalent, um, U.S. dollars. Um, the Tezos fee, I just minted a couple today, was. A penny,
0: yeah.
1: less than a penny, like a yeah. fraction of a Fractional penny. cent, <laughs> yeah. Fractional cent. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that orders of magnitude difference, um, which means you can you can have something that's a dollar, mm-hmm. as opposed to if you're going to spend $30 on gas fees, you're not going to buy something for a dollar with a $30 yeah. fee on top of it.
0: I guess this will be my last question to wrap this up. Because you're in a unique situation as an artist that you're making digital and verifiable digital and a arguably a verifiable physical. On the secondary market, are you afraid or, or do you encourage people to like separate the two? Like do you have people who just, you know, get your get the NFT so they can have you sign one and then like they sell the NFT so that somebody else can get access to do the same thing? Like can you uh,
1: Yeah, yeah. And actually you did ask about the secondary and I yeah. I, I didn't actually answer the question around yeah. the secondary. So um that circle city piece. Mm-hmm. Um I sold the original mints at three Taz each. Okay. Um, there is a secondary market. Um, the floor, so the lowest price you can buy one of those on the secondary market right now, I think, is twenty tes. Whoa! Um, I haven't looked in the last couple of days, but it was that. I, there's a couple on there that are like ninety tes. Um, <laughs> so there, there's definitely a secondary market, huh. and people have bought uh, secondaries to get physical pieces. Like they have gone out, picked out one they wanted, bought it for fifteen or twenty tes. And then contacted me and said, okay, I've got one now.
0: Verify it. You then you sign. Yep. Yeah. So when you do that second second signature, is it a different edition? Like how do you, do you remember n- it? Like how does that work as an artist? I
1: haven't done, so t- I got to figure this one out. I know. So oh, I haven't, I haven't actually done a, I haven't done a second physical okay. for a piece yet. I've only, so far I've only done the original right. edition one of, of that, of yeah. each of the different pieces. Um, I will probably addition them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to, there's, there's a couple aspects to that. One, and I'm asking the community. I mean, this is, sure. for me, this is about what does the community want? Like, what do the collectors, what are the people who appreciate this want? And I actually ran a poll. Asking. I know, I, I participated <laughs> yeah. in that poll before this recording. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is, it's, so it's interesting. Like, should there be a limit? Like, if you own the digital thing, should there be a limit? on how many physicals it can make um my my kind of personal preference is no there shouldn't be a limit Mm -hmm. like the digital whoever owns the digital should be able to decide you know i'm going to hold it there can only ever be one so there's only one because i'm now holding it as long as i control the ownership the deed there will only be one (laughs) or I own it, and you know what? I'm going to mass produce the hell out of this thing, and I'm going to sell it okay. at Walmart. Right. That's their like. That's that's up to them. That's the person who owns that. Right. Because
0: when they own when they own the NFT, like they own do you, also allow them to have to own the rights to it, or how does that work as well?
1: You know, that's the giant mystery of, of the <laughs> NFT space right now, and 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 ambiguity. So, yeah. um, the the platform i meant on and the stuff that I have, there there are no contracts that say anyone owns it. So. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Right, right. Um, it, in in my mind, if you mint a piece and you hold the NFT, the ability to reproduce it mm-hmm. is yours because you own that 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 output of that particular thing. Right. Um, I would appreciate it <laughs> if I was credited as the original artist of the thing but they get, they get to control the production of that, of that particular thing, in the case of my pieces. But there's no contract. Right. I mean, currently there's no, and that's one of the next things, is how do I instantiate some kind of a, an ownership IP contract on top of
0: it so that it is clear. So or, an when, I, I, or an IP creative common. Yeah. Because, I mean, like if you're not opposed to them to like replicating it to their heart's content, but with attribution, like there's a mechanism of, of creative commons that would, that would fit in. Yeah. Anything you want to plug before we wrap up this episode? Um, I would just say check out FX Hash.
1: Yeah, um, if you're interested in in art and especially the newer NFT, digital blockchain generative, FX Hash is. It, I mean, I sound like a salesperson for the platform, but it, it's a game changer. It really is pushing the edge of allowing anyone to experiment as a generative artist in the Web three universe, and that is pretty cool. And you can. You can buy thirty dollars in Tez with your credit card really easily,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which would let you mint ten pieces on it when they reopen. Uh, they're currently closed for a couple of weeks while they were upgrading, but they reopened this like in four days. Uh, wow. but it would let you actually start participating in that in that universe. Super um, cool. so that's that's what I'll leave you with. Go I to, love it. go to FX hash and check out generative art because it is. It's really cool.
0: And also, check out your site, All Editions. Sure. Yeah. Dot check out ar- all editions. Dot art. Dot art. Yes. yes. Cool. Sean, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. That wraps up this contact edition of the Bellingham podcast. Remember, if you want to check out the Boundary Swirls project, go down to Boundary Bay and take a look at the wall inside the restaurant and you'll see these squares that are up on the the wall and you can scan the QR code to have a chance of generating one and tweeting it out and maybe getting it actually produced in the real world. If you want to check out Sean's website, be sure you check out alleditions.art and there you'll be able to check out the Boundary Swirl project, as well as his other one-off pieces that he creates that are individually-editioned. Well, this was fun. I miss being on the mic. And so does Chris. And if you miss Chris as much as I do and that sweet baritone voice, remember, he does have a solo act. It's called the Canvas Insider Podcast. Remember, if you're in the Belling of Mary, you might be listening to us on Camry 102.3 FM or community-powered and community-streaming at camry.org. And if you just can't get enough of me because you miss my not-so-baritone voice. Remember, I also have an, a solo show called The Analog Explorer, and there is a brand new episode up there. A- episode AE10 is an interview with Dan at Timely Underscore Moments out of the UK where we talk about the Swatch Omega launch. Be sure you check out explorer.substack.com. On that note, from the city by the Salish Sea, happy Easter, everyone. I'm Ajay Barse. And Chris and I will get back on the mics as soon as life stops occurring.